Coming up tonight on Verse Chorus Verse, we talk about a shit ton of songs that I wish I wrote. Dissecting <laughs> Muse is next, episode 26. Here we are, episode 26. Hello and welcome. First chorus verse. I am David Liston. With me, as always, is Knight of Sidonia, Sven Knutsen. Sven, how are you? I am fantastic. I'm a knight, apparently. <laughs> how, you how are. How cool is that? How are you? It's very Where cool. Where are you? I think this is like the new game. Where is David? I am in NOLA tonight. I'm in uh, New Orleans. I go. Tonight I got to hang out in Bourbon Street a little bit and went to the Absinthe House. So we'll see how this goes. It might be a little bit messy. Nice. When is it never messy? <laughs> That's a good point. What about you? You've, uh, you just got back from vacation. I did. It was uh, an awesome Awesome week on the lake. Are you relaxed or are you depressed now that you're back? <laughs> I don't know. Like anybody with small children knows that vacation is just another job you do, except instead of getting paid, you work for your kids. That's a good and depressing way of putting it. It's very true. <laughs> it is, right? And all the other elder parents just keep telling me like, it, there's an end. Someday you'll look back and you'll miss this because it won't happen anymore. That's true. They become teens so, and then they, you know, I they mean, don't want to have anything to do with you. But, uh, but no, I definitely get where you're coming from for sure. So I personally am extremely excited for this episode. This was a fun episode to research. We are doing our third band dissection. Is it really? Wow, it is. Yeah. First one we did was Foo Fighters. I think it was episode four. And then we did NWA by Choice of Sven. And this week... What the hell was I thinking? That was a good one. I, yeah. I actually really liked researching that one. But... A lot more fun this week. Yeah. Because this week, we just get to rock out. Yeah. This week, we are dissecting Muse. Yes. The British trio. We're taking turns picking. I picked Muse. Muse is a favorite of mine. It's been a favorite of mine since I discovered him and probably, what, when did Absolution come out? 2000s? 2004? Yeah. Is that right? 2003. Three. The whole time is running out phase of Muse was when we both pretty much got into it at the same time because we were in a band together. That was your fault And that I even heard of them. It was. Without spoiling too much, it's been a favorite of mine since then. When We were in a band together yeah. at that point, and there was a little bit of jealousy there because, honestly, Muse was the sound that I had wanted to be in a band for so long. Yeah. Their, their melodies and what they did with their tone and their riffs. I'm a massive fan. It's one of those bands too, that when I think of them, I think, okay, so yeah, when back then I loved them and then they kind of got worse and worse and worse. And now I don't really listen to them anymore. After I researched them, I don't really think I feel so much that anymore. How was researching these guys for you? Um, Nothing new came out of like the digging and reading about them. Cause I think I, kind of knew each of their backgrounds definitely uh matt and chris the most familiar to me because i i think i uh back when we were mm -hmm. in a band together and we were really into them early 2000s i was a bass player so obviously trying to crack chris's sound was an obsession but then also just matt 
Um, I mean, I'm a multi-instrumentalist. Matt's a multi-instrumentalist. And, and just his his writing style, yeah. the way he plays guitar, the way he plays piano. I felt like I dug quite a bit back then. There wasn't mm-hmm. a whole lot of new information. Yeah. Um, for me, the, the biggest thing, kind of similar to you, I, they kind of fell off my musical radar, I think, after Black Holes. I think I totally ignored The Resistance, uh, Second Law. Drones kind of perked my ears up. But I didn't really give it a chance. Yeah. I just kind of like, yeah, okay, another Muse album. And same thing with their 2018. Um, Simulation theory. Yeah. Yeah. The biggest surprises came when I just sat down and listened. And hate to say it, I don't own any vinyl. That's allowed. It was all Spotify. Spotify. For the first time through, I just like went to the band Spotify's and just mm-hmm. hit play. So it was jumping jumping albums and stuff like that. And then I realized like, okay, that that was a really good way to dive back into it because now I'm not paying attention to when stuff got released and trying to draw lines to, was this when I liked them? When was this like, you know, I eventually had to just go in chronological order though, uh, reverse. So, I started with the newest and then went backwards. I'm, I'm interested though. I want to ask you this mm-hmm. because if you listened like that, I think that brings up an interesting question. Because for me, they didn't fall off in that sense. Whenever a Muse album came out, I listened to it and I made sure that I got to know it and I was either impressed or unimpressed at the, usually at the moment I was impressed and then with time and we'll, we'll discuss Mm -hmm. kind of what I think happened to them later on. But as you did that, when you shuffled it, I'd assume that it was really easy to tell, oh, this is new Muse or this is old Muse. Was it pretty, Um, pretty easy? Yes and no. So to me... Everything from Black Holes and Revelations through Simulation Theory was New Muse. So basically, the bulk of Mm -hmm. their catalog, five albums, was new to me. Wow. So you you didn't really get into Black Holes and Revelations then? I mean, I did, but I still called that New Muse. That was the newest Muse to me. Even though that one was familiar and I'd hear songs come on and I knew it was from Black Holes. Yeah, definitely hearing difference, but not knowing what album it came on off of a lot of times i mean at the end of these dissections we give our favorite albums and we go through favorite yeah. songs and stuff doing the shuffle thing made it really easy for me to pick favorite songs gotcha because they weren't tied to an album because i think i always not that i feel like i have to pick favorite songs off the favorite album or an album that i ranked high it just seems to be like more forward in my mind there was parts, and this is what I think is really cool about Muse, is that Muse is Muse to a certain extent. Not saying that they get stagnant, but you'll always know it's Muse. And there's some yeah. key kind of things that you know that you're listening to Muse if da 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 And it's not really a formula. It's just the result of three people making such a massive sound. So... Mm-hmm. To sound that huge, you do certain things, you develop certain habits, I think, certain techniques. I think that when there's bands that are so good at specific things, my mind goes directly to the police because that's another trio. Mm -hmm. But it's the same thing. When a police song comes on, you know within the first seven seconds that it's the police. Yeah. When Nirvana comes in, I'm naming three-man bands on accident. I'm seriously not meaning to do that. Yeah, when Soundgarden comes on, you know within three seconds it's a Soundgarden song. It's not because they keep doing the same thing over and over again, although I do think that there's a part of Muse that does get really repetitive. It's because they're so good at what they do and they found their thing that nobody else quite does. They have signatures, right? Exactly. Yeah. It's like an artist, you know, like Van Gogh 
doesn't paint the pain, same painting over and over and over, but you see a Van Gogh, but, you know it is, or you God, see, that's, you know, that's such a good comparison. That is an outstanding metaphor. One without really letting too much that because I think this is an obvious one that anyone who has a little bit of musical knowledge and has heard Muse just you immediately grab onto all the arpeggios. Yeah. Yeah. Every everything they do, somebody is arpeggiating. Mm-hmm. And it, it doesn't just it's not always the bass. It's not always the guitar, always the keyboard. It it revolves. So it keeps it interesting. But someone's always outlining the chords. And that's a that's a great trick to make a three three piece band sound huge, you know, instead of just playing the root note of the chord or just playing the chord, when you're dancing around the chord outlining it it just gives like this feeling of like there's so much movement and motion like how could three people be creating this massive sound with all these notes and all these things moving everywhere so that is the beginning of muse we'll get a lot more in depth with them first we need to talk about what we're drinking tonight uh sven yay what do you what do you got dude so one of the best things about coming back to work after vacation i got in last night was at work 7 30 this morning and seriously, I work for some of the coolest people because I was welcomed back at 730 in the morning with a six pack of beer. <laughs> and so I thought, well, let's go ahead and bust out one of those today. So you're going to help me pick. Love it. And both of these are kind of like welcome back to work kind of themed, I think. Ew. Uh, there's Operation Vacation reminding me of where I just was and then Recoil because that's kind of gunshot and i'm just recoiling and i don't know i'm trying to tie that that was some i'm reaching i'm going with (laughs) i'm going with recoil because that is a really pretty can it is it has a rattlesnake on it. it's from payette brewing co right here in boise idaho honestly one of my favorite breweries yeah Um, you've had them quite a bit on the show i have and i like to visit them if anyone ever comes through boise they have a really cool brewery really cool setup great place to like play cornhole and I've toured a lot of breweries. Theirs is one of the most fun beer tours. And they have damn good beer. I do remember them having really good beer. And I assume that it's only gotten better with time. I am drinking a simple beer that's going to put a smile on your face. Yeah! (laughs) I'm like so excited for you and for me. Yeah. I told you that next time that I was recording when I was... East of the Mississippi. Of the Mississippi. I'd have a nice yinling. So I've I've got a couple yinling that's, that I'm drinking. For everybody that doesn't know, that's my favorite freaking beer from the East Coast. And people are going to give me so much crap for it. But I don't know why. Hey, it, you <sighs> it's know, great. it's America's oldest brewery. It is. And it's stayed American. It didn't really need to sell out. It didn't let Anheuser-Busch buy it or anything I like love that. that. I mean, about it, it's, it's pretty massive on its own, but still... It's awesome. It is. Yeah. And yeah, if you're going to drink, totally get behind it's that. light, it's drink, it's sessionable. You can sit down oh, and yeah, yeah. drink a bunch of them while playing beer pong or something. For sure. We're going to take a break. We're going to come back and really get into the band they call Muse. We are back. Let's get into this. Let's talk about Muse. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm cutting you off, but I want to know what was your first introduction to Muse? Because you were my first introduction to Muse, and we'll talk about that song. Yes, we will. But how um, how did you how did they pop into your music world? I think I may be doing Oh shit. I do know what it was. So when I was in the Navy, 
Mm-hmm. My mom worked with this awesome guy. This was early 2000s. So streaming and a lot of the Google type quickly find a song. That wasn't a thing. You were still listening to CDs and stuff like or, that. Or you were digging through Napster for... Lars is, Lars is going to come get you. <laughs> Sorry, um, maybe that was just me. So anyway, my mom worked with this guy who had really amazing taste in music. He started giving her suggestions to send me. Honestly, he was my introduction to The Strokes to Spoon, to Soul Coughing. I mean, just shit tons of amazing music. Muse was one of them. And then I think right around that time, Time is Running Out became a little bit of a radio hit, which is an amazing song. So I think that got me really into Absolution, which then I kind of shared some of that stuff with you and we'll get into... You, You went nuts. Yeah. Or you made me go nuts. One or the other. It was contagious. Muse started in 94. Really, really stereotypical band as far as their story is just extremely stereotypical. They all met in school. They were all playing in different bands. They went through all the young band names. You know, they they were the Rocket Baby Dolls and Gothic Plague and Fixed Penalty and you know, Ooh. runs like clockwork. <laughs> no, wait. That, that, that's my favorite. Right there. <laughs> Not that one. <laughs> oh. They all got together. They played a ton of gigs. They had the struggles with the small labels and then the struggle with big labels pulling the trigger on them. The members are Matt Bellamy, who's the, I don't know what, front man, lead guitarist, singer. Yeah. Chris Wollstenholm, who is the bass player, also singer. I guess backup, backup vocals, vocals is what you call them. Yeah. Yeah. And then Dom Howard, Dominic Howard is the drummer. And I guess we can touch on this. So Bill Bell or Bill, Bill Bellamy. That, no, there's Matt, a name for you. <laughs> Matt, Matt Bellamy. You can tell the first song you ever hear from them. Tell he's very classically trained. Yeah. Which it's really cool because he's classically trained. He's really open about his loves and hates of classic music. Like he fucking hates Mozart. It's really. But then he'll like do some Rachmaninoff crazy piano shit. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it definitely is like a love hate. He's super picky about his classical artists, which I love because I am too. I also don't like Mozart, but I love me some Beethoven. So really, that's that's a whole other podcast though. Okay, we need we need a Mozart versus whoever, but like we need a we need to talk Mozart because he's my one of my favorite. Really. Oh, dude, we we will get into we will get into that. He was like the first ever pop star. I guess that makes sense. Then Wolfgang Any, Amadeus. Anyway, that's a different podcast altogether. <laughs> it sounds like you became a fan from me, which I didn't remember, but I th- yeah. I'm guessing that I probably gave you a specific song that we wanted to dude. Do you not okay. around with right? I know how much you remember. I know the song. I never heard of Muse, and I remember. Can I can I tell the story? Is this an appropriate time? Mm. To tell the story? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we're going to have to touch on it to, through the whole episode. It's also a song that gets talked about every time they get interviewed. Yes. Anyway, so we're in a band. I'm the bass player in this band. And I remember, I think you called me up. Back in the day when people still called people. Yeah, we had landlines yeah. and like the phones that you couldn't leave your house. You call me and you're like, hey, so there's this song that I want to cover. I figured out the bass line on the guitar. And so I'm pretty sure you could play it on bass sidebar i was one of those bass players still am that i hate to use a pick so everything i do is finger Mm -hmm. plucking it's all right hand workout right and so i'm like okay cool yeah let's what's what's this song i think you like played some of it on your acoustic guitar over the phone i was like okay what's that and you go listen to hysteria 
that's the song I want to cover. Learn the bass line. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, okay. I start listening to Hysteria, and I'm like, oh, shit. <laughs> Figuring out what he's playing wasn't too hard. I think that, like, the two hardest parts about Hysteria is Chris has his way with effects. Yes. So I'll start there. This is the hardware technical problem. The sound, I'm like, what the hell is he doing with his bass? Because it's not just a bass tone. Not at all. It had like this, like, like this kind of growly. It wasn't just distortion either. Because I tried no. just throwing an overdrive pedal on it. I'm like, that still doesn't it was sound this right. Weird Eventually, kind of... I dug up a Boss yeah. bass synthesizer pedal. That combined with a little bit of overdrive, and I can't remember what all. I'll, it was good enough to play a bunch of bars. So I figured that out, but then the the crazy thing is then like, okay, I can play this lick, but I can do it like once. You want me to do this for a whole freaking song? song? Oh my god! Even the chorus, it changes. It's still the octave jump. Yeah, it's just straight sixteenth notes with your right hand. So like, I had two fingers that just were blistered and cramped, and my hand just became like this gnarly little claw. (laughs) It was tough. Holy shit. And that was my introduction to Muse. And of course, now I'm just infatuated with Chris more than like the entire band. I'm like, how the hell is this guy? It's fun, right? The stamina and then just the creativity in his sound. He fills out so much of their sound with crazy cool things. When we were in, uh, you know, several bands Mm -hmm. together, we kind of, we we had several different lineups. Yeah, but Um, no disrespect to anybody that we ever played with because i had a blast in every band we ever played with but to me it was when we were three man was when we were best like you said not not a slight against any other musicians we ever played with because i think three for me is a magic number with a band as far as communication okay fourth person comes in and it fucks that all up not necessarily there's great bands with four five i mean there are more people than three but there's something about the way three people can communicate through their music. Mm-hmm. And I guess it's just less to keep track of. So you can anticipate other people's thoughts and musical direction more. I can see that. Not that every three piece is always golden, but when I hear three people play together, it just feels like they're locked in yeah. a lot more and on the same page. Then once you add that fourth person, I don't know what it is about four, but I feel like that's the number where it's just one more personality that kind of upsets the balance sometimes in a good way i mean or you're the the beatles and it works until it doesn't it doesn't kind of the perfect storm until it all blows up and it's and it's done yeah yeah i get that they just work so perfectly i don't know if if they started the three-man band so chris said okay well since matt bellamy is such a melodic he's always trying to come up with these beautiful melodies and that's what he's going to concentrate on then what i need to do is all my scales and my riffs need to be massive yeah so that he can basically be a lead guitarist and and a bass player rhythm guitar player when he wants to be chris had to pretty much be a guitar player and a bass player yes yeah. And you see what Royal Blood, we talked about Royal Blood on one of our last episode. Mm-hmm. I said that I really think this has to be a huge influence for them because that's all it is, is bass. Hence all the effects. Mm-hmm. But I've heard a lot of people just throw a lot of effects on their bass, myself included. I've done this where just throw a bunch of effects on my bass trying to accomplish something and it doesn't sound it just gets muddy yeah so he's wise and tasty in his choice of effects i very much agree chris is 
he might be my favorite bass player of all time. We'll have to have a bass episode, but he's we will. He's definitely top five. He might be number one for me. I've never seen him live. Have you? I have not seen him live, unfortunately. I think that I would fall in love with them all over again, seeing them live. I break my rule for them because they have live albums. They do. That I listen to a lot. Their production live is just absurd. And I could hear the argument from people, and I get it, that in a sense it might be overproduced. They are the type of band that you can tell there's a lot of pre-recorded. Yeah. There's a lot of Bellamy's guitar effects are nowadays at least being done off stage, basically. Yeah, his whole rig is somewhere else. That's a dream of mine <laughs> to not even have to worry about pedals and just have some guy off stage like, oh, it's his distortion time. Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah. So I could see that's people, a lot of trust too with is. your guitar tech. I mean, yeah. holy crap, that that's. Talk about members of the band that aren't in the band. Yeah, their live albums they've come out with, which are Harp, H-A-A-R-P. The Olympic Stadium, was that the second law? Live at the Rome Olympic Stadium. Oh, and Hullabaloo. Hullabaloo. I actually own the Olympic Stadium one and watch it pretty frequently because it's just, it's absurd. It's not raw. It's not real. It's too perfect for live. Right, right. But I, I love it. I, I don't have a problem with it. Well, I think like the way they do their live shows, like I already said, I haven't been to a live show, but I have heard these recordings, Olympic Stadium and Hullabaloo. It's pretty damn much a studio album because they're playing to a click track. Yeah. I think anytime that happens, that's when the live performance is album quality it's not my favorite band but train does the same thing where you go to a train show and it's yeah i'm sorry but and it's a good comparison because (laughs) i know people that have sound engineered for train and it's the fucking album if they're gonna play a song it's gonna sound exactly like it did on the album and that takes a lot of practice and rehearsal and that's a a whole nother level of musicianship oh my god any drummer that has to do that just it's a lot yeah, of dedication that should be that's mm-hmm. like that's how you earn your salary as a drummer right there is when someone's like yep we're doing this tour but you're playing to a click and we're syncing everything with these you know pre-recorded that would have been a good uh no, for our drumming episode we should have talked a little bit about like what that's like but you can hear it from showbiz origin of symmetry and absolution down to simulation theory and second law his drumming simplified big time a ton yeah i think that's a huge when they started to figure out they're gonna have these massive live i'm gonna be a drum machine exactly which works because we referenced the beatles earlier ringo to me is the ultimate drum machine Mm -hmm. if you look back historically that's what lets a lot of the beatles songs breathe the way they do and create room yeah for the other three to do their thing, right? We can go into musicianship now, which talking about how good of musicians they are, and we can finish up with the drummer conversation, Dom. As far as being a good musician, it's really hard to say with him. I know he's a good musician. You hear a lot more of his stuff early on. It is sometimes hard to tell with somebody like that, well, how good of a musician really are they? And then you'll suddenly hear... The thing with like drummers... The really, really good ones are the ones that play the simplest. Yeah. The, the way you can tell, for me anyway, is how confidently they're playing the simplest thing. Mm-hmm. Like in Muse's case, everything is on point. It's exactly in time. There's no fluctuation. 
he might as well be mechanical. He could be a robot. Like it's that accurate and that yeah. precise. The articulation and the attack, I think, is there. It speaks a lot to Black Holes and Revelations. He's very simple through that whole thing. But then in the song Assassin, he goes nuts. I like that. I like it when artists are... Mm-hmm. My mind goes to Stone Temple Pilots, where the guitarist would mm. be super simple through the whole thing. And then all of a sudden on whatever song, he'll just rip some of amazing solo yeah, shred out some yeah and then goes goes back to normal for the whole album and it, i think that speaks yeah. a lot too i'd rather have someone like that in a band than someone that just wants to shred the whole time uh, because agreed it's so cool to know that people have restraint and we've already talked about matt and chris's musicianship i don't think anybody that wants to argue that matt bellamy or chris wolstenholm are not amazing musicians you're you're wrong you're just wrong and you can write and tell us why you think that's not true but listen to one album and tell me that matt's piano playing and his guitar playing isn't awesome and that falsetto of his like let's talk vocally here for a minute it's very unique right he's one of the singers you pick out of a lineup so easy well because a lot of their music is really heavy and most anybody would be screaming Mm -hmm. and he never does Mm -hmm. i can name maybe two times where he kind of screams he knows how to add that counter i don't know counter texture to the heaviness with his voice and then he has that vibrato that Mm -hmm. you know i guess associate that with classic music opera or things like that but the way he uses it in their music it's it's one of those other like yeah, that's Muse. We can bleed that into lyric talk. How good are his lyrics? And you talked about this with David Grohl. You think that he was really good at picking the notes first and then going to the words. And I kind of, I get the feeling mm. that Matt does that even with syllables because he's such a profound writer. Yeah. That one of my favorite songs, Plug In Baby. I really get the feeling that he didn't have lyrics written for Plug In Baby. It was just when that chorus comes on, he needed, he just had the syllables in his head and he's okay, it needs to be uh-huh. plug in baby sure why not i always appreciate that kind of writing because it feels real to me because i i'm horrible with poetry and i just can't fathom people that come up with beautiful poetry before the music and before like how they do that it just seems like a superpower well, <laughs> and not real I like it because that's how i write because what i do is i'll find yeah okay so plug in baby is perfect for that chorus now i need to build a song around pl- what the fuck is plug in baby what does that mean he, yeah. he, exactly which he does he does a good job and it's very typical rock and it's really really fucking cheesy and brainwash our children to be mean and you've got strength you've got soul like it's it's super fucking cheesy mm-hmm. but he's got really really good lines too and the whole song of time is running out the lyrics to that are so good he has some really really good lyrics i yeah i mean i i you know me i'm not like the <laughs> lyrics let's let's talk to dl here's a question that i am sure we know the answer to but i want to ask it anyway and i'm gonna ask it for every band section. is there an obvious best musician hmm I think that's an unfair question with this band. I do too. They all excel in their areas of expertise. Mm -hmm. I suppose, gun to the head, God, I hate that phrase. No choice had to pick between the three. Gun to your head. I kind of surprisingly to myself would pick Matt Bellamy, even though I love Chris. He's more of the Renaissance man. Seems like he could just pick up anything and tear it up. Um, And you can tell like everybody bases their parts that they write around what he's already kind of laid out. Every classical reference, you Mm -hmm. know, there's a lot of 
throwbacks to like romantic era classical music but yeah i, I feel agree like with you gun to my head i would probably be pick bellamy but i wouldn't want to i don't think it's fair to take that away from chris because he's who was better van halen or bob dylan it's not fair that's not an answerable question unless you're asking evil <laughs> so yeah. let's go ahead and i want to start talking about the albums in chronological order just a quick rundown of them one more thing that I want to talk about that I think makes this band so good, and that is the band Turnover. Mm-hmm. Exactly. What Turnover? Yeah. These guys have been together nonstop yeah. since 94. Yeah. You're going to be a good fucking band. That's insane. Yeah. Right? Like, they still look like they're having fun when you watch like a video from a tour or something. Mm-hmm. It seems like maybe at times, like during interviews, there might be a little bit of growing distance maybe between some of the band members i know it's like chris kind of hangs by himself Well, they've been through a lot chris did the whole stereotypical major alcohol the other band members didn't realize how much he was drinking and all of a sudden he's like puking up blood on stage and stuff so he's sober now musicians are pretty hard to figure out and i bet my life that matt bellamy is probably pretty difficult to work with you know he's probably a, a bastard perfectionist and spending that much time with three dudes for be hard. i mean shit when you and brent and i when we gigged we loved each other but man we got on each other's fucking nerves all the time what are you talking about i love you guys <laughs> so i think that's a massive part of it their turnover is non-existent and that's rare and really amazing. And I hope that they just keep doing it. So we're going to go through the albums in chronological order. I didn't include the live albums or anything like that. So album number one, Show Business, that came out in 1999, starts with Sunburn, which is a great opening track. You can really tell that A, they are still super raw, but B, they are fucking inches away. They know what they have. They just need to put the tweaks on. Showbiz was one that I came back to after my original introduction, which I think was good because it kind of gave me a little where did they come from kind of a thing. Yeah. Everything you're saying, it was like Muse Jr. That's a good... It was like garage band (laughs) Muse, but not as shitty as like most garage bands would be. It was like... Yes. It was straight up rock band. They, They didn't have like that mainstream production main you know like polish you still have the structure in songs like sunburn and muscle museum that they would continue doing for 15 years they played woodstock that year right like they did the 99 woodstock i I I didn't know that which by the way i i decided this week maybe next season i want to do a an episode on the 69 Woodstock, an episode on the 94 Woodstock, an episode on the 99 Woodstock. And then we need to talk about which one was the biggest shit show. Oh, I'll save it for that. But I think the answer is pretty damn obvious. You look at me like I'm crazy. Well, because I'm interested. I want to know which one. I know it's one of two, <laughs> but I don't know which one you're thinking. So yeah, it sounds like Sven and I kind of agree on showbiz that it's a lot of really great ideas and, and it's kind of a not fleshed out muse yet. Right. So let's jump to Origin of Symmetry, mm-hmm. 2001, their second album. Newborn, Bliss, Space Dementia, Hyper Music, Plug and Baby, Citizen Erased, Futurism. I mean, there are so many fucking great songs on this album. For a sophomore album, mm-hmm. that's scary. And Matt's guitar on this album is probably my favorite. 
Mine too. It reminds me of so many other things that I like from earlier than 2000, like from the 90s. Something about his effects, the way that he, maybe it's, it's a lot of the effects, things like that, mm-hmm. octave pedals, or I don't know if that's what it is, whammy pedals, something that like gave him the ability to take his guitar and bend notes in ways and like jump up octaves or double up. To me, it's a very top heavy album. But top heavy meaning if there are 10 songs on it, only the first six are really amazing. Right. There are a couple slower. That's one thing. I'm not a big fan of their slower songs. They're pretty. But when I turn on Muse, I don't turn on Muse because I want to soak it all in. I turn on Muse because I want to fucking rock out. Yeah. And Yeah. The energy. So when you get to certain songs, Undisclosed and songs like that, it's hard for me to get really into them. Agree. Yeah, I feel the same way. So that brings us into Absolution, which was 2003. To me, where Origin of Symmetry was their raw, heavy Absolution is just this incredibly well put together, structured, amazingly written album. You know when they got in the studio and they started putting this together, they're like, okay, yeah, we we have it figured yeah. out now. And I think this was definitely the beginning of a lot of commercial success for them because mm-hmm. songs from this album have been on commercials, like I'm pretty sure some soundtracks. I mean, like the mainstream attention it got. It's only their third album and they're like international superstars all of a sudden. Kind Deservingly of so. Yeah. There hadn't been a song that I think had been famous like Time is running out for a long time. I just love that that song goes, got as popular as it did. Yeah. And songs like Stockholm Syndrome and... Butterflies and Hurricanes. hurricanes and, and Hysteria, like we already like, talked about. I always talk about how there's a difference between favorite albums and best albums. And where I'm not going to spoil anything to where if this is my favorite Muse album or not, I think I'd be hard pressed to argue that it's not their best. This is interesting then. <laughs> um, it's hard for me to pick their best. Like, honestly, that's tough. I, it's just why I'm really curious to why it's your favorite and not maybe necessarily the best. Or other way around. It's their best and not your favorite? Maybe. Okay. We don't know yet. Well, either way, <laughs> we don't know yet. Picking the favorite for me was easy, but picking a best is so hard because they're all really fucking good in their own way. Very true. So that's yeah. that's Absolution. Absolution goes into Black Holes and Revelations in 2006. I remembered this differently. I kind of remembered this as being a fall off from Absolution and kind of sucky. It's not. This is a good album. The songs aren't really as intricate, but then you have songs like Map of the Problematique and Assassin. They're just these fucking brilliant songs. Crazy good. I don't know why Knights was always a... a... Sven, why did they not start the album with Knights of Sidonia? They should have. That is the best track (laughs) one. Yeah. Like, who the fuck doesn't start their album with Knights of Sidonia? Yeah. That's insane. I mean, that was, it wasn't even, was it the first single? I feel like Supermassive Black Hole. Yeah. I honestly don't remember. I really don't. They kind of started falling off my radar. Not that it sucked. It just, Mm -hmm. I don't know. I think I was just really into a whole lot of other things. and I was too. Going back, I like it a lot more than I think I might have at the time. Yeah. But there's, yeah, like songs like Exopolitics and there's just, there's really, really good songs on that. Yeah. So that leads us to 2009's Resistance. Uprising is a good song. Uh Resistance is a good song. Undisclosed Desires is a very good song. But this is kind of, you can see my pattern here. Yeah. It's good. It's good. Yeah. 
It's good. Yeah. MK Ultra is a really good song. United States of Eurasia, that's a good song. But they really stopped blowing me away at this point. Yeah. This is the kind of album you put out when you're so busy touring that you don't have time to craft an album. You do the best you can while you're on the road and then go into a studio and slam out a bunch of recording and then go back on the road kind of thing. Or they were spending so much time on the last three songs. Oh, yeah. The the, three part. Basically the symphony they wrote, which I love. I love. It almost seems like put that out as a single. An EP or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Because this album just, what is it, like six songs and then the three-part symphony and that's it? That, yeah. If it was six brilliant, amazing songs, but you can tell they weren't going for greatness with songs like Uprising. That's not a... No. I mean, that was also like their tour schedule was just insane, I think. I think you're right. I think you're on to something there. All sorts of festivals and they played, they played reading. Holy crap. Lollapalooza, (laughs) they did. It was like some pretty big freaking, on top of just their regular tour. I think they did Austin City Limits. Like, (laughs) you know, like all these big pressure kind of performances, I would say. It seems like this is the kind of thing that you're like, okay, we only have time to do nine songs. We're going to make three of them that turn into the symphony thing. That goes into Second Law, 2012, which I think is more of a concept album. The news reporter talking girl at the end of it, the second law is basically that in an isolated system, when we keep using energy, eventually it's just unsustainable and we're all going to die, which is accurate. It's a good concept. It kind of surprised me when I was doing the shuffle thing. This was the one album I felt like I could always tell without looking that the song was from this album. So all of a sudden you get like a dubstep drop. Mm -hmm. There was a lot more electronic influence, I feel. Not just like woven into the Muse sound, but like very obvious change. I don't know what was going on with Dominic, but I feel like... Drum machine in it? Yeah. He turned into a drum machine on this This one. This is one of the big problems that I started having with Muse. And this might not have occurred to you because you were listening to it in 2021. Mm -hmm. But this album came out when Skrillex and AWOL Nation and all that shit. Right up that alley. So this is when I really started to realize that, okay, so Muse is officially now following the money. Mm. This is when they really, really started doing that. And they, they haven't really stopped since then i do like songs on this album the same as i always say that's the thing is there's not a muse album i don't like right there are songs that i love on every muse album madness on this album have you seen the jack black reacting to this song i haven't oh so jack black had just heard this for the first time and he just puts a youtube thing out it's just him reacting to the guitar solo in madness just flipping out at how good it is. Anything with Jack Black is usually fantastic. That man doesn't do mediocre. There's a lot of... (laughs) This is when I really started seeing him cash in. And and there's also multiple songs on this album that I do not like. I don't like Follow Me or Explorer or Save Me or Liquid State. I did like Survival because that was kind of their first... Everybody was like, what the fuck is this type song? And that was like the, the Olympic theme that freaking mm-hmm. year wasn't it they, i remember they played the olympics i love it mile 20 of a marathon shit that'll that's a best song ever survival mm-hmm. yeah that goes into drones in 2015 i want you to start it off what did you think about drones mm-hmm. like how do i say it without giving away too much of like the <laughs> i hate this problem i enjoyed drones it kind of was my 
Gateway Back. Okay. Mercy, I think, was the song that really drug me back. Vocally, not just that song, but throughout. This is going back to kind of original why I liked Muse. They went back to a lot of the same things, the arpeggios, mm-hmm. the class. You could hear the classical influence a lot more. Yeah, and they rocked out. They were a rock band again. Definitely rocked out. It's not my least favorite album. <laughs> I will say that. Yeah. <laughs> I don't hate it, it. There was a lot of good on this album. Seven yes. or eight, you know, Dead Inside, Psycho, Mercy, Reapers, Handler, Defector, Globalist. All those songs are really good. There was some crap. Yeah. And it didn't have the same, I don't want to say rawness, but it didn't have the same realness that Gorge and Asymmetry or Absolution had. It was like a polished version of that yeah. to me. There you go. The other thing that to me is so muse is literally is... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That that clave mm-hmm. rhythm, whenever they want to build into something, everybody in the band does this. Okay, they're going to bust into like this crazy chorus or they're going to bust into a, some kind of like a bridge. That's like the build up to something that you better pay yeah. attention to. They've been doing it so long that now it's not raw. It's just they know it. Yeah. polished. That leads us to yeah. their most recent release, 2018 Simulation Theory, which, hey, they come out with albums every three years so they're due you know this is totally my style of music we always talk about the neo synth and the synth rock and that sort of thing but once again this was 2018 Mm -hmm. drive had just come out and stranger things was massive and they just there's the money yeah it's really hard to get behind it when they're doing that and there's awesome songs on here but for all intents and purposes i should love this album and i don't I like it, and there's a lot of really good stuff on it, but there's also a lot of regurgitation. Something Human is an exact copy of Big Freeze. Yeah. Blockades is an exact copy of MK Ultra. Like they kind of really start doing shit over. There were some gems that I kind of mm-hmm. hung on to, and I'm not sure what grabbed me, like the dark side. There's something about. I do agree with the regurgitation. It's kind of like the. Well, we have this formula. Mm-hmm. We know what people are going to expect. Let's give them what people are going to expect. This album was probably uh, the one I'm the least familiar with. I'm going to blame it on it being their newest, so I had the least amount of time to appreciate it, but that's totally not it. It's just found myself listening to... It was work. Listening Ah, to this was because it was homework. But that's it. That is Muse, top to bottom. Let's take a break, and then let's get back. We're going to answer some hopefully answerable questions, and then we're going to rank some albums and some songs. into some questions about Muse. Best and worst lyrics. We don't have to get too far into it, especially since I'm sure Sven has none. You're probably right. I already talked about Time is Running Out. I like them. I I really actually like the chorus to Undisclosed Desires, even though it is kind of cheesy, but the the whole I want to exercise the violence in your heart stuff, that's, that's really good. Yeah. And then I already talked about My Bad, which was... He has a lot of super cheesy lines, but do you have anything? I, I actually do. 
Mercy for me was, like I said, that was the one that kind of dragged me back in. The chorus itself was beautiful, but there's a verse in there, um, absent gods and silent tyranny. We're going under, hypnotized by another puppeteer. Mm -hmm. It just seemed really relevant. (laughs) It seemed really (laughs) relevant. There's something about that. And then, yes, Mercy. Show me Mercy from the powers that be. Someone rescue me. Makes me kind of want to look up, yeah, what their inspiration or what Matt was kind of thinking when he wrote this. Well, he's a pretty political dude. I think Mercy came out. They were having a a lot of issues in the UK. Kind of a lot of the same shit that we've gone through. And, Mm -hmm. you know, his lyrics spoke to me a lot too when I was in the early 2000s. Because I had a hard time. Not... Not a hard time. He was a pretty open... He Just... How do I explain this without... There were just a lot of things that he sang about, specifically in Absolution, that really connected with me. A lot of his views on death and how we should view life are, are very similar to mine. And you know how it is. It's just nice to hear somebody else... Yeah, speaking your language. ...sing something that you can say, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. hell yeah. How good is the band name? I don't call themselves I don't, whatever the fuck they wanted. I'd still like them the same. It's okay. Yeah. It's fine. It's Muse. Yeah. Their song titles and album covers and stuff. I don't really, I don't love any of their album covers. I feel like Simulation Theory had a really cool cover. The whole 80s Tron. That's kind of my vibe right now. That's kind of my aesthetic presently. It's not something I've always liked and it's probably not something I'm going to like forever. But right now I'm really into stuff like that. We talked about this in Foo Fighters. They're one of those bands that Madness is called Madness and Mercy is called Mercy. And The word you say the most in the chorus and there's your title. Yeah. How timeless is the band's Hmm. music. This is an interesting one. It is, right? Well, I feel like they draw so much influence from music that's already timeless, almost in an effort to make his music timeless. I wonder. I wonder if in 20 years, if I'm going through my records with my nephew or niece and, hey, what about this one? It's interesting to think of. If we think about it, like it's been almost 20 years since Absolution. So if you're going to talk 20 years, I still like that album as much now as when I first heard it. I guess our homework is to just show it to some younger people and be like, hey, what do you think of this? Yeah. And then the other question that I usually ask for these is band replacement. And uh, good for them. So we're going to rank the albums now. Let's start with our least favorite mm-hmm. album, and we're going to work our way mm. up to the top, much as we did in the Foo Fighters. So, Sven, what is your least favorite Muse album? Resistance. It was hard to pick. The bottom four might as well all be ties. The ones I love, I love, and the rest of them are kind of like interchangeable. So my least favorite is Showbiz. I really like Showbiz. Just wasn't. It's almost like a demo. Yeah, Garage Band. What is your second least favorite Muse uh, album, Sven? A simulation Theory. Okay. The the current. Mine is The Resistance, so pretty hey, close there yeah. with you. Yeah, yeah. My third least favorite, I think it might surprise you. There was a ton of good, one amazing song, and then a couple of not goods on this is Drones. Drones is my third Ooh. least favorite. Ooh, my third least favorite is Showbiz one off from you and in, in a we're couple very of these. we're pretty close yeah. what is your fourth least favorite black holes and revelations all right mine is simulation theory our bottom fours are extremely similar are close now we're in the top four yeah my fourth favorite album is the second law Ooh. it's almost a lot like drones in that it's a lot of good 
a couple of bad and then two amazing songs. I'll agree with that. Like it's kind of a precursor to drones. My fourth is Origin of Symmetry. Wow. Okay. That's number four All right. for me. Um, what is your third favorite Muse album? The Second Law. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, we're we're pretty we're going pretty close. There's one that's just gonna blow the whole close thing out of the water when we get to it. Yeah. But... <laughs> My third favorite, and for me, this is the perfect split between four amazing songs, four really good songs, and four bad songs, and that is Black Holes and Revelation. So much like Foo Fighters, we both have two albums left, and our number one has not been picked yet. However, mm-hmm. I get the feeling that unlike Food no, Fighters... I know which one is your number one. <laughs> do, oh, do you? Now. <laughs> okay. Yes, I do. <laughs> what are my one and twos, Spend? Um, I believe oh. you're... I don't know your two, because I didn't keep track. You, I'll tell you, I, it sounds I, like you're wrong. Ooh. So my second favorite is Absolution, and my first favorite is Origin of Symmetry. Ooh, okay. So I would Origin yeah. of Symmetry has at least five amazing songs that I will rock out to every day of the week. You've got drones and absolution for your top one and two. That's right. Sven, what That's is your right. favorite Muse album of all time? Drones. Holy right? shit. Really? Right. And it was like what, like six on yours or it was down there. It was my third least, third least. favorite. That's very interesting. But I can totally see I think it. For me, it was the freshness. So Absolution obviously is my number two, right? Mm-hmm. It, I actually had it in the number one spot until today. I think I went through and was listening to them quickly. I was just kind of like hitting key ones on each while, while I was getting set up. But something about it, it, it was like a fresh muse. I get it. But still with a lot of the same things I love from Absolution. So those are the albums. Sven and his yeah. drones, me and my origin of symmetry. Both of us, it's very obvious that Absolution is the kind of nostalgic, huge, influence. amazing, yeah. ma- massive, massive influence. Now... And this is where I think it'll make a little more sense as far as our actual taste, taste. And what we are doing now is we're doing our top five Muse songs. Might be a couple surprises on here, I feel like. Oh, for sure. Svend, what is your fifth favorite Muse song of all time? Surprise number one, The Dark Side. Really? Yeah. Well, I can't even say why. There's something out on a limb-ish kind of to muse but it's the very first it's song from on simulation, simulation theory right? and it's yeah. very 80s sort of thing going love it my fifth favorite is from the same album mm-hmm. pressure i fucking love that song i could listen to that guitar <sighs> part there is a version of it on the deluxe album where it's the usc marching band that does the backing <laughs> it, oh my god it's so good nice I'll start with my fourth favorite Muse song, and it's off of Sven's favorite Muse album. Sven, what do you think my favorite song is from Drones? Dead Inside? No. One of the best guitar solos of the last fucking decade. Reapers. Oh. Reapers is one of the best rock songs I've heard in so long. And he is just shredding through that song. He's finger tapping that guitar solo where he's doing the pitch wah-wah and he's, oh my God. Yeah. Sven, what is your fourth favorite Muse song? Mad Madness. It's a good song. 
It's all, it's all about, about madness. Seriously, you got to go watch Jack Black listening to that gotta, solo. Yeah. What is your third favorite Muse song? <laughs> uh, butterflies and Hurricanes. That is such a... Butterflies. Oh, that's your... Butterflies. That song's so good. That song's so Muse. Sven, this is creepy because our fifth favorite songs were both on Simulation Theory. Mm-hmm. Our fourth favorite songs were both on Drones. Mm-hmm. Our third favorite songs are both from Absolution. Hey! My third favorite song is Hysteria. Of course. That was my gateway drug. Because you made me play it. <laughs> I think the only reason that it's not number one with a bullet is because I've listened to it 9,300,000 times. If anybody comes to me and says, hey, I want to get into Muse, what do I start with? The answer should be Hysteria. You know my favorite part of that song? What? It's actually the drums. When the drums come in with just a... Just the snick, yeah. Before they kick in the mm-hmm. whole like, bah, bah, da, da, like the guitar kicks in. So good, Sven. What is your second favorite Muse song? Hysteria. Noise. It had to be somewhere in the top five. I don't feel like it was my number one. I'm excited to hear what your number it one could is. Be. My number two. This song is everything I love about Muse. Is Plug In Baby from Origin of Symmetry. The opening with that track when he's just going insane with the pitch on it and he's you can tell he's standing right in front of his amp and then he just rips into the that riff. That's yeah. what I call like the Tom Morello thing. Oh, and then when he's in the verse and he's not playing guitar, you've got Chris playing one of the coolest bass lines you're ever gonna hear. The bom bam ba um Sven. We're number ones. Show me some mercy. That's your favorite Muse song of all time. My favorite, just mercy. I don't, wow. You know, I feel like I have to justify it, but I'm not going yeah, to. It's fuck. just my, it's my favorite song. I love the chorus and I love the vocal parts. It's I love great vocals. The bigness of that because it feels big to me. So my number one favorite Muse song comes with a little bit of general knowledge of Muse. Mm-hmm. I bet you a six-pack of Yingling that you have never heard my favorite Muse song, Sven. And the reason is, is they never released it on anything but a single with Time Is Running Out. And the reason they never did that is because this song evolved so much that in time it became the song Supermassive Black Hole. But before that, it was this extremely basic Muse song called The Groove. Go look up the song The Groove. To me, it is the perfect Muse song. It starts with the guitar and bass doing a unison riff. And then when the verse comes in, Chris is doing his thing while Bellamy sings. The chorus is this just beautiful melodic harmonization, little teeny guitar solo back into chorus, end of the fucking song. Anybody that hasn't heard the song, The Groove, that is my favorite Muse song. Let's try as best we can to rate this band, Sven. Um, (laughs) I hate this part of the show. This is very hard. Um, First off, the answer is probably no. It is a no for me, but it's closer than I thought it would be. Is Muse on your Mount Rushmore of bands? Is Muse one Mm. of your like top four greatest bands of all time it's a no for me as well as much as i like after talking about them for this entire episode i so badly want them to be me too but i do if you actually have to put a number to it to me muses i I mean they're a nine out of ten for me they're they're not the best there ever was but man they found what they're good at and they are so 
fucking good at it. Yeah, I mean, similarly, you know, me and my arbitrary numbers, it's mm-hmm. like 227 out of 312, something That's like perfect. that. Um, I love it. Yeah, um, it's up there. If it's- I had to figure it out, I bet they are in my top 10 favorite bands of all time. One more thing to do, and you don't know about this yet, Sven. I promise it's going to be easy. So from now on, with each band dissection, I want us to rank the ones that we've done. Mm. So far, we have done Foo Fighters, NWA, and Muse. He's trying to start some fights, is what you're trying I am. to do. My ranking is Muse is number one, followed by Foo Fighters, followed by NWA. Oof. I'm intrigued to hear yours, because I want to hear where Foo Fighters and Muse stand with you. I don't know that this is much of a surprise. Maybe it is, but I don't think it would, would be shocking that I would pick Foo Fighters as my number one. It's hard for me to pick between Muse and NWA. That's the hard part for me. Really? Yeah. NWA is such a short... I mean, not the individual members themselves, but as a group. So in that regard, it's kind of like I knock them down a little bit. But at the same time, compared to like Muse, who, you know, has eight albums plus a bunch of live albums plus a bunch of other EPs and soundtracks and blah, 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 blah. There's something about NWA that, I don't know, historical significance in the music world where I feel like I'm, I may change my mind in the near future. I'm going to tonight for this episode and get roasted for it. I will say NWA then Muse. Wow. My goodness. That surprises me. We will leave it with Sven crapping all over Muse. Okay. (laughs) That is our Muse dissection to the best of our ability. We both really do love the band. They've been a really big part of our musical lives for sure. Let us know what you would have done differently. And then, of course, come back next week. Next week, we are doing a dissection of some pretty slow stuff. Bring your nighty time tea, snuggle up, and listen to us review Cold Place Parachutes and a great big world. It's going to be a lovely one, ladies and gentlemen. Versecoresfirst.com, at Pod. Rate and review us on iTunes. We're on Spotify, all that stuff. Keep up with our Instagram so you can figure out when our revisits come out on YouTube. Those are fun. You get to see our beautiful faces. And yeah. Keep up with our promos, which are just so popular. And these hats make awesome gifts. Yeah, Sven's wearing a cool hat. You can't see it. Sven, that's it. We talked about Muse while I drank Yinling. Hey, you know, it's always a good night when Muse and Yinling are involved. Everybody, have a good night. Goodbye.